0: Welcome to The Space Between the Notes. I'm your host Sam Walsh. This episode contains my conversation with the vocalist, songwriter, and all-round soundscape artist, magician, Ryan Bobbitt Chertok, who makes music under the name Maria BC. This was a particularly exciting conversation for me because while I was a fan of the previous Maria BC record, Hyaline, from last year, which was the reason I reached out to do this interview, I was not expecting to have the intensity of response to this new record as I did. It's called Spike Field, and it comes out on the 20th of October via Sacred Bones Records. And I have to say that along with probably one other record it's tied for my album of the year this year. I love how surprising and unusual and emotionally evocative it is. I love the concept and the depth at which it explores its themes. These are all things I had a chance to discuss with Ryan, who was very generous throughout the interview. So I think I'll just let our conversation play without giving too much more away but if you have similar taste to me in any way this is a record that you absolutely must I check out when I have it's had a chance to listen to Spike Field a couple times early and adore it you're well from what I understand you're a, you're a classically trained vocalist and you learn to sing while your father played music in the church but this record Spike Field has a very complicated relationship to past selves and um, I just wondered if I could start by asking you whether music's still spiritual for you. I mean it's definitely a spiritual listening experience for me.
1: Thank you. Yeah it's it's definitely a spiritual experience for me. Um, Definitely what motivates um the writing process and also what attracts me to music in general is accessing this feeling of like um transcendence or being able to enter this space that feels like more than life um facing the the unknown which to me is what is divine in life um yeah, I, I actually was like raised primarily by my mom, so I did most of my singing at her church. But my dad is an organist um, at an Episcopal church in Ohio, and so um, I've done some recording in that space where he works, but um, mostly where I was doing my singing as a child was at the different churches that my mom took me to.
0: Mm. And do you still go to church? Do you still sing in churches?
1: Um... I have sung in churches, but I don't go to church anymore. Uh, I don't really consider myself part of the Christian faith per se anymore. I don't know. I I, I have a complicated relationship to it, but. Um, hmm.
0: Well, that's what a lot yeah, of this records I, I, about, I, right?
1: I, um, yeah, yeah.
0: And it's, sure. na- it's named after these phenomena, spike fields, that were constructed in the nineties as a way of communicating with future generations and kind of warning them about nuclear waste and they're kind of designed to last up to 10,000 years or something. And you're using that as a metaphor for thinking about how we reckon with our past selves and, and future selves and the damage that we've done in the past and the damage that we will do in the future. I mean, it's a fascinating concept. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, and like the 80s and 90s, I think, uh, this team of like scientists and sociologists and like sci-fi writers, I don't know, all kinds of like thinkers got together and um, tried to come up with different methods for communicating with people in the far future 10,000 years or more. Um, I tried to figure out how to communicate to those people, do not... Build or inhabit this plot of land beneath which we have buried our radioactive waste um and i was just so moved by that intellectual that like design exercise right of, like how do we communicate something how do we communicate like terror <laughs> without language or like how do we communicate a warning without language um and so the spike field was one of the menacing earthworks design concepts that they came up with this like field of enormous irregularly sized and irregularly angled spikes um and I love that image and generally in my work I'm really like fascinated, um, or fixated on, uh, the way that like the past intrudes on the present and that the, and the past is like pulled forward into the future as well. It's like, we don't ever live in, um, discrete points in time because our past is always like haunting us. Um, so I, I learned about that. Uh, the nuclear semiotics thing from my friend toward the end of making this album and it just felt like um, I I became really attracted to that image because I felt like it held a lot of the themes and ideas that I was working with up to that point
0: yeah it creates imagery for the music as landscape as well which is a really interesting thing that maybe I'll talk about when I get into Mm -hmm. some talking about some of the specific songs but What you said is really interesting. It's kind of is a particular existential category of being, I guess, when we turn reflective and interior to kind of examine and sort and tally our past experiences while also kind of suspending ourselves in order to imagine a future. Um, I'm, I'm doing it a lot at the moment and I'm not quite sure whether I'm busy becoming or stopping becoming. Um, I don't know if that really makes oh. sense. Um,
1: Wait, do you want to share more about that? I'm really curious. Not so, to like flip the interview onto you, but.
0: No, 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 no. That's all right. That's <laughs> sorry. I'm just having trouble with my headphones. One um,
1: second. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, just like the notion of reflecting to grow is is so entangled with um, leaving your past self behind. So there's just a sense of loss that's always tangled up in uh, imagining a future for yourself that that is learning from your past experiences. And I have a lot of affection for the past version of myself that did things that I perhaps don't want to do anymore um yeah and it can be exhausting it can be a very exhausting experience so yeah
1: totally totally yeah I mean if we think of ourselves as like defined by the things that we do and our values and our like our beliefs then we're constantly leaving ourselves behind as you said as like we grow and it's a thing to celebrate, right? Like, we don't want to be the same person forever. That would be horrible. Um, but it can also feel really sad to, like, look back on um, your past self and feel like, oh, I just don't identify with that person anymore because they do follow you around no matter what. <laughs> like, yeah, your your memories are always going to be, like, intruding on your present experience. Um yeah, no, I, 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 I love what you said. I'm super fascinated by that exact thing. What it means to like grieve your yourself.
0: <laughs> Do you think you're getting more perspective on it by making these songs?
1: Yeah, um, I, I have a problem where I constantly think of myself from like six months to a year ago as like not me (laughs) and like want to completely sever myself from my past self because I'm for whatever reason like so humiliated by um how long it takes me to like catch up with things or like how long it takes me to like learn and change and so um I'm I'm sick of that. <laughs> part of myself I like wanna feel integrated with who I have been for my whole life because there's no getting rid of that, right? So, as a formal exercise, um I tried on this record to like pull um parts of songs that I had written when I was much younger. Uh, I tried taking those and turning them into something new that I could be proud of now. Um, There's this song still, uh, and the piano part is one that I I wrote that when I was 16, and I don't like the song that I wrote when I was 16. (laughs) I liked the piano part, and so I recorded that and wrote a new melody and new lyrics on top of it, um, in an attempt to see if that might make me feel like some sort of integration with that period of my life and new sense of wholeness or something. Um, and I ended up writing these lyrics that expressly address my childhood self. And I, I think it's like, it, the song became a love letter to, to childhood in general. Um, yeah, so that that is, and, and it, it's not just that song too, it comes up other, at other points on the album, but that was something I was really obsessed with at the time. It's like, how can I um feel more whole?
0: Mm. I was going to ask you about Still, it's a really beautiful song. And it, yeah. it is quite a tender gesture compared to some of the other songs on the album. <laughs> um, <and> yeah. <laughs> but it is really powerful. It expresses, a an emo, like you said, it expresses a particular emotion about memory and a particular, particular sort of texture of feeling that can only be expressed in abstract abstract sound because it's, it is sensitive and aggressive and, and sound can kind of hold those contradictions simultaneously in a, in a way that like words perhaps can't. And
1: hmm. that
0: happens quite a lot yeah. on the album that, sort of sense of uh, you're trying to encompass something complex with sound and I have to say that I loved the singles but I wasn't quite ready for how good the full record would be like the experience of listening Aww. to it and <laughs> both first and second listens for me um, and compared with Hyleen this record has slightly more uh, like clarity in its production and it features more elements and has a more surprising structure. And some of the production decisions are like really subtle, but also so evocative, like, I mean, there are quite a few I could name, um, but there's, there's one example, like on Daydrinker, there's this sort of skip, that happens on the vocals a few times and then later on the guitar the same skip happens and you could almost miss it but it elevates the textural experience so much like what's your what is your process for producing these songs like how do you construct the environments without losing the spirit of the core of the songs because they're really complex thank
1: you (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, um, for this album, I kind of made the conscious decision um, to change my approach to arranging and recording, whereas like previously um, with Highland, I was doing a lot of the same things, like just, you know, wasting so much time uh, just taking my sweet time, like throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. But with that one, I wanted to to strip everything away to what I felt like was only, like, the most absolutely necessary parts, like, as few tracks as possible. And then for – but for this album, I wanted to kind of honor my process a little bit more and, like, sit with some of the things that I had thrown at the wall. Like, maybe I could, like, put it back up there and actually it will stick or whatever. <laughs> um Rather than like feel so eager to just throw stuff away, um, and I ended up being like really happy with with how that turned out and being like much happier with the denser sound that you get here. Um, also, yeah, the the production quality is a lot more clear. I was lucky enough to be able to, to to be invited to write a song for a movie, and I was able to use that movie money to buy. This mic that I'm speaking into right now, which is way better than the one I was using before. Um, I also hired this this person, um, Rory, who makes music as our day, to mix it, and they're a genius. So um it just sounds way more like high def. Um, but the production decisions are Made over a pretty long period of time, i will write a song and then kind of sit with it, start recording it, and, like, edit it over a period of weeks, usually. Um, And otherwise, it's just, like... Or throughout that process, it's all just, like, experimentation and fucking around and seeing what excites me that's what I'm trying to do is like follow the excitement because when you're making your own music like start to finish it's really easy to like get bored and hate yourself and (laughs) so sometimes the process becomes as simple as like how can I not hate this
0: (laughs) like the sounds are so striking so you must have I don't know like I guess if I give you an example like well, we could talk a little bit about Tide and where the influences come from for that type of song because that's kind of new territory for you. It's like a, it's like a horror score, but with these like gnarly chugging chords and then these like really disorienting kind of out of tune flourishes from p- piano and synths and strings, and it's really exciting. <laughs> and one of the, yeah, one of the tracks on on like that kind of gives the record like a particular gradient or shape um and I just wonder where that type of thing has come from because it's not like it doesn't sound like you wrote well maybe you did but it doesn't sound like that's something that came from just like sitting down with your guitar um and like writing a song and then fiddling around for ages (laughs) but maybe
1: yeah yeah Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, I, I, for that song, I semi-improvised this guitar part and recorded it and um, listened back to it later. I, I thought, like many of the songs that I write, I thought it was going to be an instrumental, um, but I was kind of listening to it on this long walk through Oakland, and I went on, and it's like, actually, I think this this does long for vocals and words. And then I ended up kind of writing stuff on top of it and filling it out. Um, so yeah, it it wasn't like um, some of the more song songs on the album where I sat down with my guitar and fiddled around with structure forever until it felt like a real song. It was, yeah, it was um, this kind of more organic thing that I was adding layers to, and, um, really leaning into my interest in, like, well, what really excites me in music is, like, the ebb and flow of a track, or, like, how, um, sound can, like, draw you in and push you away, or, like, how sound, like, pulls you into a climax, um, and so, this song felt like such a great opportunity to just fully, like, explore that and lean into that. And I'm really happy with how it turned out. My friend Mizu plays cello on it and it totally... I, I almost didn't put the song on album and then I invited her to try and add some parts and it, it totally made the whole thing gel and work. She's a genius. There's this part at the end where, like, she does this melody on her cello that, like, is so... Romantic, which is not how I envisioned the end of the song at all. And it totally makes it work because it adds this new contrast to the beginning of the song, which I agree is like kind of. um, There's some horror in it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and, and it just totally like changed the narrative of the song in this way. That was so exciting to me. So definitely check out her music. She's great. What's her name? mizu m-i-z-u
0: okay cool I'll check her out I don't I've not heard her music before that's not the only track that is like that I guess like you've also got lacuna which is like sort of your version of an idm dance track um
1: yeah and again that's that's
0: like a really rewarding moment because (laughs) you're yeah you're just able to stretch your sound to like this new place and it still feels right where did that idea come from what's lacuna about for you
1: this one I piece it together, it's very few parts. And I thought I felt like, no, this is this does say everything that it needs to say. And um I love words and I love collecting words. Um I often find myself like at a loss for words, so it's like useful to me to um like make a keep a keep a running list in the back of my mind of like central words that I feel like describe a really specific thing or really useful and lacuna came up for me at some point last year I was reading um and it's like the omitted parts of a manuscript and that just felt so that it's also just a really like melodious word right lacuna it's so good like you can't not put that into music and it, it also felt um very in line with some of the things I was thinking about generally while I was writing the album and um so pairing that title to that track it did feel complete without vocals without turning into like a traditional song it, it's it's cool what you said about it being like sounding like an idm or or dance track i I feel like people have heard this song and like taken really or heard this track and taken really different things from it and that's really exciting to me it's my favorite track on the the record so yeah it makes me really happy that people have super different takeaways from it
0: (laughs) are you listening to a lot of different types of music and pulling from lots of different types of music or do you find it difficult to listen to stuff when you're making something like this because i could hear uh metal in there like slow core like ambient shoegaze like like folk it's yeah you can't pin this down and actually increasingly yeah you're just floundering nowadays if you try and pin down music a lot of the time but um and not that it should be but it's just interesting to kind of be able to pick out what people are what traditions people are pulling from
1: yeah totally um yeah i i think it's really important to mm, to make yourself listen to music that you don't like in addition to the music that you do like. Um, it's easy to get stuck in listening, I think, for myself anyway. So I try to challenge myself to listen to things that feel outside my wheelhouse. Um, but that said, uh, I, th- I think I listen to like a pretty wide range of genres but then within that I hold on to like a few things at a time you know I'm not the kind of person who can really listen to you know 12 records a week and feel connected to music um I'll listen to like maybe three and then I'll hold on to one of those three and listen to that one like obsessively and really try to get into the nitty-gritty of it and there are times where I, like, fight that in my listening habits, my, like, inclination to become obsessed with one thing at a time. But ultimately, I think it, it serves me. Um, I want to, like, take the thing apart and see how it works. And that ends up being um, both useful in, like, the sense of, like, my own productivity or creativity. Um, and then also just emotionally uh, satisfying.
0: That sounds like way more emotionally satisfying than listening to lots of records every week, I think. Like, I find it hard. Um, and I think that yeah. lots of people you struggle. you get your fatigue? Yeah, lots of people struggle. Do you get your fatigue? <sighs> so yeah. much, so much, I can't tell you. And it's become like a, in some some ways, like it's become sort of a toxic relationship to have to music because, like, there are so many records that I just don't have time to. I mean, I do have the time, but that I that I feel like some sort of compulsion to like listen to everything that's out there.
1: Yeah, well, I I mean, also just because you have the time doesn't mean that you really (laughs) have the time. I feel like this is something that I'm always like, like railing against just like the belief that if you just schedule out every single hour of your day, you can do everything that you want. It's like your energy is like, like time is limited by your energy and also your need to, um explore all the different parts of yourself like if you're just yeah you could sit down and listen to all the albums that you want to listen to in one day but then it's like you didn't you didn't go outside you didn't like (laughs) make dinner you didn't whatever um like learn about the plants in your neighborhood i don't know what people are into but like you didn't do all the other shit that like makes up you so right um, and you're
0: not paying attention to your natural curiosities right and like
1: yeah exactly yeah. exactly and that's what life is I, at least for my part i've had to have this reckoning with the fact that like in order to feel even remotely sane enough to carry on i need to have the point time in the like i need to have dedicated time in the day to like sitting and staring into space and just like thinking my thoughts fully and putting my thoughts into words or just like staring at the water for a while and not doing anything else like that that allows me to have the energy to do everything else and yeah you you know yourself and i don't know why i'm suddenly getting preachy about this it's like early in the morning and I'm like thinking about what my day is going to look like. And I guess it's, uh, this feels really important to me in this moment.
0: I feel like this has been way too short a conversation. So perhaps I'll have you back next year when you release another record.
1: (laughs) Hell yeah, let's go.
0: (laughs) Um, So since (laughs) you're in the space between the notes, the final question is always the same. It's a multiple-choice question, and you have to bear with me this one. The question is, apart from music, what is the most fun thing? Is it A, sports, B, books, C, food, D, movies, E, extreme sports, F, traveling, G, backgammon, H making jokes, I gaming, or J other. And if you choose other, your favorite thing will be added to the list.
1: Wait, does that mean that like someone answered backgammon?
0: Yes. And that,
1: that's why it was added to the list? Wait, who who said backgammon?
0: I think somebody Are you allowed I to think say somebody it? from Shame. Do you know the band Shame?
1: No, I'll check that out. I love that name.
0: I'm pretty sure- Great band name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get into shame, um, but-
1: Next uh, time, next time. That's the theme <laughs> of the record. <laughs> uh, abso- always, yeah, always. Um, yeah, I'll say other, and I'll say intimate, intense, romantic time with friends the most fun thing
0: now i'm gonna have to say (laughs) j intimate intense romantic time with friends as
1: yeah with those exact descriptors please yeah
0: at some point i'm gonna have to like cut off the season i think you're probably getting we're probably getting close to like a dozen episodes so you might only get a couple of episodes of me uh naming your thing
1: <laughs> That's totally fine. I hope people pick it though. Yeah,
0: I feel like it's the most <laughs> inviting choice. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: good. That's good.
0: Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Totally. Yeah. This was so rad. Thanks, Sam.
0: That was me talking with Ryan from Maria BC. You've been listening to the Space Between the Notes, a bedroom disco podcast. I'm Sam Walsh, your host. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Sam Walsh, with music from Greg Dixon. Thank you to anyone who listened.